Okay, so first off, Mrs. Avisar, thank you very, very much. Thank you for opening your home to have the shear, and especially in light of last week with the, uh, with the hurricane coming, and then we had to cancel. Hurricane, whatever it was, Baruch Hashem, it wasn't much of a hurricane, you know, at least over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just came from there. I just came from there. <laughs> what did you say? You were there already also, right? <laughs> so, okay. Was it? But uh, they'll, they'll get the recording. But uh, either way, so we've been talking about strengthening your family's values in 2022. That's the name of the series. And so that this is the final class, which is titled, You Are the Leader of Your Relationships. Now, this, you know, in the first class, okay, in the first class a few weeks ago, so we spoke about how individuality is like the most, one of the most prime um, ideas that we have to think about when it comes to ourselves and our kids and our spirituality to, to know that we're all individuals and Hashem is only looking at us, um, not, you know, not in the context of what anybody else is doing, but in the context of who I am. That's, that was point number one. Class number two, which was, um, was last week, we spoke about strengthening the values. We gave a few tips about just how in the society that we live in, which is so backwards and so corrupt and so against all of our values, how to possibly, you know, strengthen them through showing our children the love of mitzvos and showing them who our leaders are and the gedolim and all that stuff we spoke about last week. The third point is something of equal, if not more important to, uh, to all of this, which is that the, the value of relationships, the value of like healthy, positive relationships and developing relationships and what that means as far as ourselves have our, our relationships, our children's relationships, how we help our children develop positive relationships, and um, just again, with everything, all relationships, friends, spouse, children, all of that, it's so critical, so, so important to focus on, especially in today's world where the, the concept of relationships is just like eroding, right? Like left and right. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Like left and right. You know, forget even the, besides for the idea of like, you know, marriage is lasting, which is a whole topic in and of itself, but just even besides that, just any relationship, friendships, etc. Like how many people are like, you know, walking on the street and knocking into telephone poles because they're like on their phone, <laughs> you know, wherever we go. The concept of like being involved with people, right? People going on a date and like, uh, you know, they're WhatsApping each other, right? While they're <laughs> while on the date, right? So this is, this, is, this is where society's headed and like this is where society is. And then 20 years from now, what's going to be, right? And just how this affects our relationships and really caring about other people and what that means. So what we're going to talk about tonight is seven steps, seven steps towards, um, towards positive, towards healthy relationships. These are not the be-all and end-all seven steps, right? That would be impossible, okay? <laughs> this is a talk about relationships. We could be here till, uh, till a month from now, right? Talking about all the things that we need to, but at least seven thoughts, you know, seven small ideas or whatever you could, uh, whatever you could call them, you know, about, about what relationships is. And, you know, a Rebbe of mine told me a number of years ago that if you want to know the key to relationships, the key to relationships is really, I don't want to say just because, you know, that makes it sound small, but is, is just is working on our midos. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Like all the books and all the everything and all the self-help books, it all boils down really to our, to our midos. 
to our midos, to our sensitivities, etc. And so to introduce the first point, there was, a, there was a study that was done, you may have heard about it, but a famous study in 1999 called the Invisible Gorilla Study. Now, in that study, uh, there were two guys, um, Christopher Shabri and Daniel Simon. And these guys, they wanted to see um, if people really notice the things that are in front of them. Hmm. Okay? And what they did was as follows. They had, it was a very cool thing. They had uh, two teams. Okay? They had this video that they created that had two teams. Each team had three people on it. And it was three, like, teenagers and their, their task was to pass a basketball back and forth to each other over the course of 30 seconds. That was, that was their job. Each, each team, one team was wearing black t-shirts, one team was wearing white t-shirts. And the viewers of this video are supposed to watch and they're supposed to count how many passes there were in the 30 seconds on, for team A. And you watch team A and you watch team B, etc. Just count as they're passing the ball, they're passing it quickly. You know, notice, count how many passes there were. Okay, very nice. The only thing was that at nine seconds into the video, there was a guy who came out onto the screen dressed in a massive gorilla outfit, dressed like a big gorilla. And he comes in basically right in front of the video camera, like basically right in front. And he's standing there, pounding his chest for like six or seven seconds. And then he leaves. And then the, pa- the ball passing is still going on this entire time. And after he leaves, there's still about another 12, 13, 14 seconds left of the ball passing. And then that's it. And that's the video. And then they asked the people that watched the video, they asked them the following questions. They asked them, um, how many passes were there for the team that you were supposed to watch? And they said that almost all the people got it correct. Okay. But then they asked him another question. They said, did you by any chance happen to notice a gorilla in the video? Did you happen to notice? And they said that not 10, not 20, but 50% of people that they tested said that they did not see the gorilla. 50% of people, these guys won a, um, these guys won a Nobel Prize for this, uh, for this study, the Invisible Gorilla Study. You could Google it. It's very cool. You could do the test yourself, but now that you know, so it's not going to work. But you do it on your husband, <laughs> right? <laughs> do it on your husband. Tell me what happens. But uh, you see, you can find it online. You Google it. It's very cool. And, but what did they prove? Yeah, what, is the, yeah. what did they prove? They proved something really cool. They proved that people could be Focus. so focused on right, something, right. so hyper-focused on something, and they could completely wow. miss something that's right in front of them. Focused on the basketball, you're focused on the team, you're focused on the passes, and you just totally missed what was right in front of your face. And when you see the video, it's really incredible. The gorilla is really right in front of your face. Like, you can't miss it. But they missed it. Why? Because they were focused on something else. And they concluded like this, and this is what they said. They said that people can focus so hard on something that they become blind to the things that are around them, even when they're staring right at it. And they said it's hard to explain such a failure of awareness without confronting the possibility that we are aware of far less of our world than we think. And this concept is so true with everything, but especially when it comes to relationships. You know, we know the Torah tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu, and this is number one on the sheet, we'll read inside, but when Moshe Rabbeinu came out of the palace, okay, so he was living in Paro's palace and then he came out. The Pasuk tells us what? Number one on the sheet. So Moshe grew up. And he went out to his brothers, and he saw their pain. Okay? 
Um, he saw their burdens. Okay, that's what the English there translates. Okay, and he saw an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew, one of his brothers. Okay, so he goes out of the palace, he sees one of his brothers getting beaten by an Egyptian. We know the famous story, and then Moshe ended up, and he killed him, and then he ran away. The whole, the whole story, we know what happened. Rashi comments something so interesting. Rashi is bothered by a question. What do you mean he saw the pain that was going on? Like he didn't know what was going on until now? All of a sudden, this is the first time he saw the pain. What, Moshe was so sheltered? Moshe was already like an adult at this point. He, he wasn't a little baby. He didn't have a clue. He never opened the window. I mean, you look outside what was going on in Mitzrayim. When we talk about it, the Pesach Seder, you know, the, the, the incredible pain that Kal Yisrael went through. Babies were being murdered. The, 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 we were slaves. They were working 24-7, sleeping under the trees and barely even sleeping. They weren't allowed to sleep. They were sent out into the wilderness. The Jews were sent out to collect lions and bears and go bring them back. And many of them died through that backbreaking labor. So many people were killed. You didn't notice? What? He, this is the first time you saw it. I saw their pain. Oh my goodness. What? Of course he saw what was going on. So what does the Pasuk mean? And Rashi says, obviously that's not what it means. It means something deeper. Rashi says something very important. He says, It means that, it doesn't mean that he physically saw. Of course he physically saw. But it means that he was, he focused his eyes and his heart to feel the pain for them. He was no saying, He focused his eyes and his heart on this individual who was getting hurt. And that's what caused him to really, truly feel their pain. And my Rashiva of Hanach Libowitz pointed out, he said, you know, this is an amazing thing. Like, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu, who was chosen to be the leader of Kal Yisrael, eventually, it was a little bit later, but he was chosen because of his immense sensitivities that he had, which he did. So what? You didn't, like, feel the pain as soon as you saw the person getting hurt? But it seems like, of course, Moshe felt that person's pain, but he only really felt the pain. And he only really felt it on the deepest levels when he did this, when he was no sane Eina Valibo, he focused. Mm-hmm. He focused his eyes and his heart mm-hmm. on that person. And he saw what they were really, really going through. He said, whoa, whoa, I see them. Whoa, this is really bad. And then that's, that's what evoked this real feeling of pain. Because a person can just walk around and completely miss the things that are in front of them. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu would have never really missed it. Of course, if Moshe Rabbeinu was such a, such a tremendous gadol that we can't even like fathom, obviously, if he saw it, he felt sensitive and he felt a pain. But he felt it much deeper when he stopped and he focused in. Because when a person just goes by, just, just goes through their daily life, just goes through the daily grind and sees things around them, yeah, we see. We see what's going on with our neighbors. We see what's going on with our family, with our friends. But do we really see? Like, do we like look deeper and see? So the, the first point is that when it comes to relationships, and this is very, very key, a person has to be like Moshe Rabbeinu with any relationship, has to be no sane ena v'libo, to focus our eyes and our heart. We should not be like the people in the invisible gorilla story <laughs> who missed the gorilla right in front of them. But we have so many people, our relationships are all the people that are right in front of us. And we have to be able to, like, to stop and to, to really see like, what's going on. What is going on with them? What is going on in their life? What is happening with them? What is, what, what is taking place? What are they really feeling? You know, there's a story told about Ravar and Cutler that's how um, that he 
And Ravon Cutler's Yartzeit Imrit Hashem is, uh, is next week, next Shabbos, uh, is Ravon Cutler's Yartzeit. And he, um, and he, he the, the story was, he lived in Brooklyn, and then he, um, he would travel to Lakewood. Like a few times, he, he would be in Brooklyn most of the week, and then he would travel to Lakewood where the yeshiva was, Beis Medrash Gavoa, his yeshiva. And um, there was one time where he was driving over the bridge, his driver was, uh, was taking him, and they got to the toll booth, and this was around the time when they were switching toll booths from being, from being operated by people to, um, to the ones where you like throw in the change, not the easy pass. That, that, was, uh, that, that came much later, you know, the sun pass, right? so that stuff. But where you threw in the quarters, you know, there's been, like the quarter pops out, then you go, oh man, I got to get out, go get it. Right, <laughs> those ones, right? So that type. And it was operated by a machine, and once there was enough quarters, you go through. There was a few tolls that had the quarters and a few tolls that were operated by people. Now, the ones that were operated by people were much longer lines. The driver was headed towards the other one. Ravaran said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to go onto that line, the line that was longer. And the driver said, why? He said, this is much shorter. You have a very busy schedule, a very big Rosh Hashiva. You have so much going on. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I want to go on that line. He said, because don't you see? He said, that line is being operated by a person. And this other line isn't. Now, what do you think is about to happen within the next number of months to that guy who's working in the booth, right? If those other booths are being operated by machines, what do you think is about to happen to him? So he's probably not feeling so good about himself that, he's, that his, his job is being taken over by a machine. So I want to go on that line and I want to go up there to the front. And when I get to the front, I want to give him a proper greeting and say hello and wish him well and wish him a good day. Ravaran Cutler, who was a very, very, very busy individual, and he was doing a tremendous amount for Kali Yisrael. Emirat Hashem, next week, sometime mid-next week, I'm going to be putting out a video that I've been working on for a very long time um, about the life and the legacy of Ravaran Cutler. It's going to be coming out. And um, it's about a five-minute video or so just about his life. And he, it, it, it's, it was incredible, the amount that he did. He saved thousands and thousands of Jews from the Holocaust. He was running a, the, the biggest yeshiva, right? The biggest yeshiva in the country, in the world. Uh, I mean, then it was smaller, but still, he was doing so much. He had a busy schedule. Yet, yet, what was he thinking about? He was able to see. He was able to see that, hey, there's a person over here. There's a human being. He didn't fall prey to the invisible gorilla. He didn't miss it. He noticed that there's a person here, and I got to do whatever I can to, uh, you know, to be able to help them. He was able to see deeper. You know, I saw, I saw a very nice quote from Rebetzin Feige Tversky, who said, um, who said the following thing. She said that a woman called me up to speak on behalf of an organization of families with special needs children. So I asked her what she wanted the thrust of my remarks to be. She answered, just don't tell us how special we are and how much God must love us to give us so much pain. We need validation and we need help in coping in this situation. This is, this is a great example. Somebody, like, she's pointing out to her, like, recognize who we are. Recognize what's really going on in our life. Don't just give us the same cliche speech that, uh, that everybody gives to the people in our situation. No, see what's really happening with the people in this group and, you know, and, and give us what it is that, this is what we really need. This is what we really need. She was able to, uh, to see deeper. And once a person is able to see deeper, and they're able to recognize, whoa, there's somebody here, 
and they're going through a certain circumstance, they're going through a situation, then they're able to really, really give them what they need. You know, we spoke about this, uh, you know, we speak about this in the Torah, right? We're Yitzchak, right? We were looking for a, um, where Eliezer is looking for a wife for Yitzchak, right? Avram sends him out. And what's the test to find a wife for Rivka, to find a wife for Yitzchak? Who's going to be a real Balas Chesed? Which girl's that? What does he do? He goes to the well and he prays to Hashem. Hashem, please send the girl who, what's his prayer? Please send the girl who I'm going to go ask for, for water for myself and the girl who offers water for the camels as well. And that's what he does. And he hangs out there and she sees and, uh, you know, and then uh, th- this whole story happens and she ends up offering water to the camels. Woo, you're the one. That's it. That's it. Odishama. Woo. Right. This is the one. Why? Why? Because... So the suffering of someone that cannot talk. True. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. Right? True. Right? So, but, right, but, but more than that, because she, she didn't, she wasn't just doing what she was asked to do. She was a real, that's right, she was a real balas chesed because, yeah, of course it would be chesed to help him out when he, of course, of course, of course, to help him out. He asked for the water, to give him the water, 100%. But it's a whole nother level of chesed. To be the wife of Yitzchak, you got to be a whole nother level of chesed. This is a level of chesed to see deeper. Mm -hmm. Say, whoa, what do you really need? Yeah, you need water, but your camels also need water. Mm -hmm. So, so this is one of the, you know, this idea, these two ideas, number one, zeroing in, number one, zeroing in on the person and recognizing that there's somebody here, recognizing there's somebody in front of me. And then the next thing is once we, once we zero in on that, so then to really be able to focus, what does this person really, really need? What do, I, what do they need and what can I truly provide for them? Beautiful story, beautiful story about Rav Moshe Feinstein. Amazing, amazing. You may have heard it, um, but it, it, incredible. He, um, he got this phone call one night, late at night. There was a group of teens. You know the story? I yeah. love that story. Isn't it a crazy yeah, story? Yeah, but it's it. <laughs> I need to remember it for Shabbat for my kids. There you go. It's, it's, it's such a good story. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good story. So there was a group of teens that thought it would be funny as a prank to call Gedole Yisrael and prank call them. And they had, they took turns, like every week, like somebody else would call a different Gadol wow. and prank call them. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's what, it is what it is. That's what they thought would be funny. And it was a the certain... Probably the uh, Gilgulim of uh, Hillel, no? Hillel is a story? Was it in Hillel? <laughs> you know the story? They Which came one? on a Friday. They came right, on a Friday. Right. It was too... Uh, True. To see if they can bother them or not. <laughs> why <laughs> the black has black hair? Why the Chinese has this eye? Right, with all the silly and questions, they, right. had like the... Even though it was right before Shabbat, the Gilgulim. That, that could be. <laughs> that could be. That could be. You know, but um, so whatever, whatever. Maybe was they good. learned that in the. In the they learned that that day in the yeshiva. They said, "Let's do it." <laughs> Shows them certain things we shouldn't teach them to the kids. You know, <laughs> that stuff we got to leave out. You know, bad ideas popping their heads. But uh, but okay, it was this boy's turn, and he was given the task to call Rav Moshe, and he calls up at uh, at you know at this late hour, and the Rebbitzin picked up, 
And he said, can I speak to Rav Moshe Feinstein? And she said that uh, he's sleeping already. Is it, is it an emergency? Should I wake him? And he said, yes. And she woke him up and he came to the phone. And he started talking to him. And Rav Moshe was very sharp, obviously. Rav Moshe very quickly realized from his questions. There was probably questions like that, you know, from his yeah, silly yeah, questions. Yeah. He realized that this was a joke. Okay. And he spun the conversation and he was able to ask him. And he said, like, yeah, I'm just curious, which yeshiva do you go to? What, uh, you know, whatever, what are you learning and whatever. And, and uh, at first the boy didn't want to say, Rav Moshe said, no, no, I just, I'm just talking. I'm not going to tell. I don't want, I'm not going to get you in trouble. Just, but what are you learning? What mesechet are you learning? And he told him, he told him what mesechet he's learning. Rav Moshe said, what, what daf, what page are you on? He told him the page. Rav Moshe said, okay. So he said, he said there's a tosfos on that page. He said, and I have a question on the, I have a question on that Tosos. We know that Rav Moshe Feinstein knew everything in the Torah inside and out. And he's told him his question. He asked the boy, he said, do you understand the question? The boy said, no. Rav Moshe said, okay, no problem. You have a Gemara. Let's, let's open up. Rav Moshe took out a Gemara. He opened up the Gemara. He said, let's, let's learn. Let's learn. He, the, so they started to learn the Tosos. The boy didn't know. He said, okay, so you, you probably don't understand the Gemara and the Rashi. So we'll start from the Gemara and the Rashi. They learned, they learned the Gemara and the Rashi the and the toast goes together in the middle of the night. Wow. And after everything was understood, he said to the boy, now let me explain to you my question on the tosos. And he explained to him his question. He said, now you understand? He said, ah, he said, now I understand the question. He said, I want you to go tomorrow in class. Ask the Rebbe this question. <laughs> so the next day he comes to class and then the phone call ended. The next day he comes to class and this kid's raising his hand. This kid never raised his hand. And he's never involved. And he never did anything. And the Rebbe's like, yeah, what, what, what? And he asked this question. And the Rebbe was like stunned. He said, Where, where'd you get that question from? He said, Rav Moshe told it to me. <laughs> he said, Rav, what do you mean Rav Moshe told it to you? Yeah, I was talking to Rav Moshe Feinstein last night. And he, he's not And he told me the question. And the Rebbe quickly, I guess, figured out what happened. And they, the Rebbe spent, the Rebbe didn't know the answer to the question. Obviously, if it's Ramosha Feinstein's question, it's not a simple question to answer. And they said that they spent all week on this question, which turned into the boy's question. It made him feel like a million bucks. The whole class, they were talking about it. Beautiful thing. At the end of the week, the boy was in his room and the mother uh, overheard that he was crying in his room. And she went to his room. She opened the door and said, what's going on? And he said, after, you know, he stopped the tears, he said, my, he said, Rav Moshe believes in me. Aww. Rav Moshe Feinstein believes in me. And if Rav Moshe Feinstein believes in me, then I should believe in myself. Wow. And from today on, I'm going to start learning and I'm going to start accomplishing and that's what he did. And the way that I heard the story over from Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro, who said that you heard it from him too, yeah. right? He, he, he verified the story. He really verified the story. He spoke to the, he spoke to the, to the prank call guy. He knows, he knows who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that now, now he's a big rabbi. That's how all these stories have to end, right? If it didn't end that way, forget the story, right? <laughs> now he's a big rabbi giving a big shiur somewhere, right? Wow. Incredible thing. It's a turning point in his life. Turning point in his turning life. Point in turning his point in his life. Yeah. But the, 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 how the rabbi knew, <clears throat> he turned something, in, he made lemonade instantly. Instead yeah. of getting upset, he right. 
took advantage of a situation. It's yeah. It's very special. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And like, it, it, you see so much in that story, Rav Moshe's patience and his, his, his love. But like, you, I mean, you also see this point, he was able to see deeper, like mm-hmm. Rivka, he saw deeper, yeah. you know. I, I like I don't know at that point like I would have thought this kid needs a smack you know <laughs> you know but emotion fights the sees much more no no what what does he need yeah. he needs somebody to believe in him yeah. at this late hour at twelve o'clock or whatever it is somebody to believe in him and somebody to learn with him and and Rav Moshe was able to see deeper our relationships a lot of it is built on this on seeing the people in front of us and being able to see deeper. And be able to see what they really need, like Rivka with the camels, like Rav Moshe with this boy. What does he really need? What does my spouse really need? What do my children really need? A lot of it is just a matter of being in tune. In tune. Again, I don't want to say just, because just makes it sound like minimal. You know, It's not a small thing. It's a, it's a task. But it's not like we need to read these like major you know, self-help books and there's going to be these like incredible chidushim for us. No. It's a matter of just being focused. Focus in, whoa, what's going on with my spouse's life? What happened in their work today, right? What happened, with, what's going on with my child at school? Like, there's that friendship that my child has that's a little shaky, and it's not always so good. So how, how is he or she really feeling? Mm. How is she really feeling? How does that really affect her? And a big part of this is point number three. Big point of really, um, you know, being able to develop this is point number three, which is the sensitivity, which is developing sensitivity towards others. I saw a very scary article. I saw a very, it was, it was a very, it was a very disturbing article I'll say, a few years ago. And this was the basic idea of the article. There was a, a new doctor, somebody, uh, a young lady who had just graduated from medical school, and she was working in the oncology ward um, of a certain hospital. And she became very close to a certain patient. And the patient, after a number of months, the patient passed away. And she was so upset. She was beside herself because she, she developed a close relationship, you know, with this patient. And a colleague said the following thing to her. A colleague said that, you know, you're being overly sensitive. As time goes on, working here, you're going to get used to this. Yeah, you'll develop relationships with patients and then they pass away. This, this is an oncology ward that does happen. So, you know, like, okay, like just get used to it. Like, like you're just... Sensitize yourself. Exactly. That's what she was saying. And, and when I read the article, I was like, this is so upsetting. My first thought was, this is so upsetting. My second thought was, this, is, this I could use for the speech. <laughs> you know? But like, you think about it, it's so upsetting. Yeah, but it's true. But it's true. Yeah. It's true. But at the same time, the Torah's perspective, the Torah's perspective is totally the opposite. That we're not supposed to... We, yes, yes, human nature, human tendency is that we do get desensitized. It is to, And we're not supposed to try to get desensitized. And we don't try to get desensitized. It really just happens. It just happens. It just happens. Right, right. However, however, the Torah, the, you know, the, the Torah hashkafa is that we need to try our best to combat it, to really push our sensitivities to the limits. You know, number, number two on the sheet, this is a very, very, very important... Um, a very important source. You know, we know that, and I didn't put the, um, I didn't put the Pasuk on here, but whatever, this is talking about by the Egel HaZahav, okay? By the Egel... Can egg- I say something about what you Please, 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 yeah, go ahead. Because I read, I read in the, uh, I don't remember which one, 
one of the books of the Breslev, the um, Rabbi Arush. Rabbi Arush, sure. Yeah, it sa- he says that a person, I think a person that doesn't have feelings is, 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 not, is not alive. He's not, like, it's not a live person. Yeah. So, oh, remember you told me about it? You said, well, wait, that if someone water, is, <laughs> Thank you. That really, in reality, we're getting punishment for something that we did wrong. Why? To get us back to send to uh, because we why because we're desensitized to someone, so we're able to hurt a person. So we get the we get the punishment back. And the reason why we get the punishment back it's a it's a midah keneged midah to get our senses back because yep. a person karov mm-hmm. So. If you feel it on yourself, then you realize what you did to someone else. 100%. So then you, like, you gain back your sensitivity. You don't want to get to that point that you lose your sensitivity because you're not considered to be a person. You're so, you're, you, a person that is alive has sensitivity to others. Mm-hmm. Once you lose that sensitivity, you lose your human, uh, mm-hmm. your human uh, telemelochim. That's beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's very, and that's very true. And that's why, that's why pretty much... All the challenges that we have, like Hashem sends them our ways, they, you know, they're all cookie cut specifically for us, specifically for you in order for each person to develop mm-hmm. their midos and their sensitivities. So that's why certain people may be sent our way. Certain people, you know, that's why that, you know, that difficult coworker <laughs> may, uh, may come your way or that challenging circumstance with the child or whatever it is, is, is in order for that pur- purpose, in order for us to develop exactly for that. You know, in order for us, exactly what like you're saying, in order for us to... Yeah. That's what the rabbi says. He says that if you have a difficulty, you have to like look why it happened and, and reflect, self-reflect. And self-reflect. And yeah. why is this happening? And how could I rebuild my yeah, sensitivities yeah, yeah. for this? Yeah. So <laughs> it's... Um, yeah. So by the Egel Hazov. So let's just get back for a moment. By the Egel Hazov. So Kali Yisrael is about to do one of the worst Averot ever, Right. Making the golden calf. And Moshe Rabbeinu is up on the mountain and it's 40 days and there's all this murmuring and they're talking about making the eagle. And Aaron is in a tough position. I don't envy his position, <laughs> right? Each time we read the story, I just hope it changes, yes. right? <laughs> right? I just wish there would be a you know, different ending. But anyway, <laughs> but Aaron, he's not in a good position, okay? And he doesn't know what to do because he knows that Moshe Rabbeinu is coming back, but they want a new leader. And Moshe Rabbeinu is not back. And, and there's murmurings that they're going to do this Egel. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. Um, but if they do the Egel, it's going to be really bad. But he's trying to tell them to wait, but nobody really cares. So like, and all they really wanted was a new leader. So what does he tell them to do? So the Pasuk tells us something very weird. He tells them to, he says, take off the jewelry and throw the jewelry into a big pot, right? And then the jewelry ends up all the gold and then it ends up, you know, becoming the Egel, etc. But take a step back, like, what was he doing? So all the Mepharshim jump on this, like, what in the world? Why, what was this all about? So the Dasikinim explains so beautifully what he was doing, what he was doing over there. We'll read it in the English for the interest of time. He says, says like this that Aaron's intentions with the with, with the jewelry were for the sake of Hashem. He didn't he wasn't looking to help with the Egel Azov, Shalom, right? Aaron's intentions were for the sake of Hashem. He said, if I say to them that Kali Vernachshon should be the head over them, maybe I should appoint a new leader. That's basically what he was saying. Let's appoint a new leader. And this way, there won't be any issue. So I'll appoint Kalev or Nachshon, one of the great people in Kalei Yisrael. 
But then when Moshe comes, if I remove them from their elevated states, if I remove Kali Vernachshon, there will be fighting between them and that will bring to murder because there's going to be the people who became Kali Vernachshon people and then the people who want Moshe back and now there's going to be a civil war and he felt it's not going to be good. Machloket. Scratch that idea. Okay. But he said, and if I say that I will not place a leader over them, then they should place one themselves. <laughs> That's not a good idea, <laughs> right? So then there's going to be fighting. There's going to be more fighting. Can you imagine, right? You tell a bunch of people, tell three, you know, all these millions of people, three and a half million people, hey, go and you appoint a leader. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that'll, everybody will agree unanimously, right? So that's not a good idea. Here's the point. And if I say that I will be the leader over them, which makes sense, right? Brother, I'm the brother, I'm the second in command. Aaron was really the number two yeah. man. Then maybe this will be difficult in the eyes of Moshe. Yeah. In the Hebrew, the words are, it's much better in the Hebrew, and I underlined it over there. The, the words, If I say that I will be the head over them, maybe this will be difficult. From the word Maybe this will be hard in the eyes of Moshe. It will be difficult for him. I will then involve them with things that have no substance until Moshe comes. And therefore he said, remove the gold. In other words, he said, I can't appoint myself the leader because if I appoint myself the leader over them, then when Moshe comes back and Moshe sees that I'm the leader, Moshe is going to feel a little bit upset that I took his position. So therefore he discounted that idea totally and he said, I, I have no real good idea, so I'm just going to have them do something silly that in his, to stall them, to stall for time. Hopefully Moshe Rabbeinu will come back. Unfortunately, we know the end of the story. But... The point of the matter is, you think about this, whoa, whoa, Moshe Rabbeinu? Like, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be upset? Moshe Rabbeinu was the humblest of all people. And, Moshe, and you're going to explain to Moshe Rabbeinu why you did this, of course. And Moshe Rabbeinu is going to understand at the end of the day why you did this. You know, that you did it for good reasons because of what was happening and etc. Come on, it's really going to bother Moshe. If it's going to bother him, it's going to be this, this much. And if it's going to bother him this much, it's only going to be for a short, a very short amount of time because when you explain to him, all those feelings will go away. It all makes sense. But my Rosh Hashiva, Rav Henech Leibowitz pointed out, but for that small amount of pain that Moshe might feel, Shema, he says, maybe it will be painful to Moshe. Shema Yikshe Be'eni Moshe. Maybe it will be difficult for Moshe for that small amount of pain that maybe Moshe will feel. Aaron said, I can't do it. It's like a brick wall. I can't do it. I can't possibly cause my brother even the smallest slight amount of pain that I don't even know for sure if he's going to feel, but maybe he's going to feel that slight, slight, slight amount of pain. Can't do it. This is a very, very high level. But you see the Torah's perspective when it comes to sensitivities. The how far we have to go, how far we're expected to go, for somebody else's feelings and for, for what's going on in somebody's life. There's a beautiful story, a beautiful story told about, excuse me, told about Rav Pam, that Rav Pam was walking with his son and his son found a $20 bill on the floor. You ever hear this? It's a great story. He found a $20 bill on the floor. And so he asked his father if he can keep it. So Rav Pam said to him, he said, as far as halacha goes, you could keep it, but don't spend it until tomorrow. So the son was like very confused. A few hours later, he said to his father, like, I think about it. I, I never heard of this halacha. Like, what are you talking about? Like, can I, if I could keep it, then I could spend it. If I can't keep it, then I can't keep it. But what is this halacha that I could keep it, but I can't spend it till tomorrow? What is this? So Rav Pam said, it's, it's, it's not a halacha. 
He said, but he said, but think about it. Right now, right now, at this moment, there's a person that lost 20 bucks. And that person is probably very annoyed and they realize that they lost 20 bucks. Is that, it's not so appropriate for you to just say right now, aha, woo, I got 20 bucks. I'm going to go spend it, ice cream, candy, here we go. What about your feelings towards that individual? Feelings towards that person. Like, by tomorrow already, he's probably going to forget about it. It's only 20 bucks. It's not a million bucks. Okay, by tomorrow, it won't bother him anymore. So tomorrow, spend the money. Wow. Unbelievable. Somebody, here's a person, Rav Pag, as an individual, saw deeper, saw deeper, had the sensitivities, recognized, whoa, what is, you know, what are people feeling? What are people feeling? Let's try our best to be sensitive, to be sensitive towards that. And, you know, that, that, um, that sensitivity, that sensitivity is critical. That sensitivity is critical. You put it all into the big picture. I understand that there's a person in front of me. That was point number one. Point number two is I look deeper to understand what it is that they need. But point number three is that, okay, I know what they need, but do I have the real sensitivities? The real sensitivities. I can know like on a surface level what they need, but the more sensitive we are towards other people and recognize those sensitivities and recognize what they're really going through and really feel, really feel that pain and really say, I really can't hurt that individual like Aaron did to Moshe and understand, whoa, this person just lost 20 bucks. I, 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 ah, I just like, I can't, I can't. Those types of feelings are going to develop relationships. So that's, that, those are the first three points. Point number four. Point, point number four is as follows. Um, point number four is as follows. Very, very important, um, very important Pasuk. Pasuk in Bamidbar says, Vayadaber Moshe Hashem Lemor, um, Moshe is talking to Hashem. Moshe is going to die soon. And he's talking to Hashem about appointing a new leader. And he says, He says to Hashem, Let Hashem, the source of the breath of all flesh, appoint somebody over the community. Okay, so there should be a new leader. Now, what does this mean, this term, God who is the, the source of all, the, the, the God of spirits. He says the, God, the, the breath of all flesh, the, the Elokeharuchos. What, what does this mean? Okay, Elokeharuchos can literally means wind, ruach, but like it refers to like the spirit. So he's the God of all flesh, of all the spirits, etc. So Rashi explains so beautiful. Why, why did um, Moshe say this? Lama Nemar, why did he say this? Why is this expression used? Rashi says, he said to him, master of the world, the personality of each person is revealed to you and no two are alike. So you, Hashem, understand that, that no two people are alike. Everybody's different. So appoint over them a leader who will be able to handle each person according to his individual character. Very important, Rashi. And that's why Yeshua was selected, because one of the main traits was that we were looking for in a new leader, that Moshe said we should have a new leader, is somebody who can recognize that every single individual is different, and in turn, every single individual has different needs. Every person has different needs, every person has something, something unique to them, and every person needs to be dealt with in a different kind of way. And that's what we need as a leader. A person can have the Torah knowledge, incredible Torah knowledge, and it could be the, big, the biggest Gadol Hadar, but if they don't know, don't really recognize that there's differences between people and that I need to handle one person one way and a different person another way, so then that person can't be a leader. That person can't be the, the next leader of Kali Yisrael. 
And that's why Yeshua was selected. This was like one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, to Moshe Rabbeinu. This is what he said in his tefillah. Can you imagine? You know? Um, beautiful story. Rav Shach, Rav Shach Zetzal. So he used to, he used to daven in a Friday night minion where there was like a group of rabbis and they would all daven together. And in between Kabbalah Shabbos and Mariv, they would have a break in the davening. And these rabbis, they would all uh, sit and learn together. Like a cer- certain group, a very special rabbis, they would sit in the corner and they would all learn very high levels of learning, okay? For that time, whatever it was, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was. And Rav Shach, of course, would join this group. Now, one week he went over and uh, as he was headed to the group, there was this fellow that stopped him, the guy who was davening in the shul. He stopped him. He said, can I talk to you for a second? Rav Shach said, sure. And they start talking and Rav Shach starts telling, I'm sorry, this fellow starts telling him all that's like going on in politics and he starts giving a whole political rant. He starts giving a whole political rant. Nothing that was like relevant, but just all the latest politics and what's happening and who he's voting for and why he's voting for him and why you shouldn't vote for that guy and everything, right? All the politics. And Rav Shach was just patiently listening. And this went on and on and on until the point where they started Marav and Rav Shach missed the whole shear. Mm-hmm. He missed all the learning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they dove in following week. Same thing happens. He's going to the shear. He's on his way. This guy stops him again. Rav Shach, can I speak to you? Uh, yeah, you can speak. Starts again. The latest politics from that week and what happened yesterday, whatever the day before, etc. He's giving his whole political rant again. 15 minutes finished. And this is going on week after week wow. after week. And so finally, a Talmud said to Rav Shach, he said, why are you doing this? Like, why don't you just tell him? Like, at a certain point, like, enough, enough, enough is enough. Just tell him. It's, you know, it's too much. Now is not the time. Let's talk about this a different time, but I got to go to the shear. That's it. And listen to what Rav Shach said. It's an incredible story. Rav Shach said to him, he said, he said, do you, he said, do you understand that this individual, he waits all week to find somebody mm-hmm. to be able to talk to, to, to uh, you know, release, to, to express, to, to, to unleash his load, right, about his political rants. Because that's what's on his brain and that's what he needs. And he's been waiting all week for somebody. He said, should I take away this guy's entire zest for life wow. to go to the shir? That's high level. Wow. That's high level. <laughs> That's intense, right? That's intense. But Rav Shach understood, you know. You know, most people, and not not to judge, but most people, what we would say, okay, listen, I gotta excuse myself. Okay, listen, I gotta obey. No, he understood that this is what he, this is what this person needs. This is what this person needs. We were talking before about Ravaran Cutler. So there was another story about Ravaran. Ravaran, Ravaran Cutler never wasted a second. Okay, he never wasted a second, was busy with everything he was learning to the extent that his grandson, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, who is the former um, CEO of, of uh, Base Medrash Gavoa, he's one of the um, you know, most prominent people at all of Kali Yisrael, does a lot of, does so much for so many institutions. And uh, I, I was speaking to him over the summer about this video that I told you I'm putting out next week. And he told me a story. I never saw the story in print, but he told me the following story that Rav Aaron when he was getting on the train to head to America. So he, I hope I'm saying it over right, but the, the train was like leaving and the students were already in the train, but the, it was pulling away. 
And he was trying to get on the train. And the students, the Talmidim, helped him up through the window, like pulled him up through the, through the, uh, through the window, and he fell onto the floor of the train. But he said the entire time while that was happening, he was holding a safer and he was learning. Now that's like, whoa. So that same individual, different story, he spent, where is it over here? He would spend a half an hour a day. I don't know how, for how many days, but he would spend a half an hour a day playing chess with a certain individual, playing chess with a certain guy. I think this was already in Lakewood at a certain point, but a, a, an individual, I don't think it was one of the students, but it was a, a, a person in the community who, who needed the chizuk and who needed the help. And Ravaron, the same person who would hold that safer, and he, was, he, he fell into the train holding a safer. <laughs> right? Uh, escaping from Europe. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. That same individual spent a half an hour every single day playing chess with a certain person because that's what that individual needed. Yeah. So, it, 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 it's you know, a... The big uh, Leviathan, you know, the Leviathan, <coughs> the, 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 person to or creature on earth or in Olamot, who knows, he takes t- time out of his time to play, he just plays with him. He okay. to play with him. Interesting. Interesting. He just to play with him just because he play. doesn't want him to be lonely. So he's recognizing what he needs yeah. and I'm going to give to him, right? <laughs> there you go. Makes sense, you know. So recognizing every single person, and that, this, this applies to, again, our spouse, our coworkers, our children, Every person that we encounter is different, and every person needs to be dealt with differently. We see this with our kids, right? We see this with our kids. Right. And, and having this understanding of going into the relationship, understanding that, that, that not everybody is cookie-cut in a certain way, and it's not like that. It's not like that. Everybody needs something different, okay? Another thing I saw from Rebetzin Tversky, which was just eye-opening, she said something amazing. She said, people cope differently. Listen to this quote. People cope differently. Some are attenders and others are distractors. The attenders get comfort from discussing and sharing their issues. The distractors prefer to talk about other things to get prefer to talk about other things to get space and relief from their woes. We need to take our cue from the person and not impose our preference. Interesting, right? You need to be very aware to be focused on to really know <laughs> right? what type of individual yeah? is going to be best to know what best avenue or approach. Because right. it's not, you can't apply the same approach to all your, even right. to everyone. Right, 100%. And that's, that gets into point number one, invisible you gorilla. You yourself from it. <laughs> right. It's not about you. Right. It's not about me. It's about them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about me. It's about them. And I know, what do they really need? You know, the, the, the biggest example of this that comes out just practically, like to, you know, you know to understand, so like when you go to a Shiva house, you know, we've all paid many Shiva calls and they're all different. Right? And different people mm. are just different. Okay? Right. And some people just, some people don't want to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and th- th- this is what she's saying. Like, okay, so 
we have to recognize that in the relationship, like do, and it's not easy to see and it's not easy to know. And especially if you don't really have a close relationship with the person. So how do you know? How do you, you have to pick up on the cues and picking up on the cues means, means not falling prey to an invisible gorilla, right? It means like really stopping and saying, what does this person need? What does this person need? And what Mrs. Avisar said before leads us into the next point. It's not about you. It's about them. And that, that point is so critical because one of the next, the next point I want to talk about when it comes to relationships is for us to recognize, is for us to recognize our own, um, our own dignity and our own self-worth. Because the more that we, um, if we don't have proper self-worth and dignity for ourselves, so then what ends up happening is, what ends up happening is that our relationships are all about us trying to fill our own needs and the things that we're lacking. There was a, a, a psychologist. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. <laughs> so there was a psychologist, Sandra Murray. She said, she said something, social psychologist, she said something amazing. She was doing a study on marriages and she found that people who had low measures of self-esteem, what would happen, what would often happen is the following, that they would anticipate something negative happening to them from their spouse. They would anticipate that this is going to happen. They are going, my spouse is going to insult me in a certain way or is going to hurt me in a certain way. In turn, because they had this anticipation that that's going to happen, they, they had to bounce back and then they, before I get insulted by my spouse, so now I'm going to insult my spouse back. Uh, not back, but I'm going to insult them first because I want to get in first before I get insulted. And then it created this vicious, this vicious cycle because once the spouse gets insult, insulted, now I'm going to insult back. Because perception <laughs> is reality. The person's perception is their reality. Is so, the, right. So if you perceive that and you believe it's real, yeah. and once you believe it's real then it's no longer like a, a, a fear, yeah. it's reality. Yeah. So to protect yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to be, instead of being the attacked one, you're going to be attached. Yeah, yeah. And this, and it's, it, and it's crazy how much of an effect this Kevin relationships. Rabbeinu Yonah writes, I didn't put it on the sheet, but Rabbeinu Yonah um, writes that when it comes to the Midah of Gaiva, of being haughty, he says that the source for that midah, I don't remember if he says this is the only source or there's others too, but either way, he says that a source for that midah is low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. That people that feel, makes it makes sense, that people feel that there's something lacking. He says that, that people feel there's something lacking within my neshama. There's something that I'm, I'm missing, something that I'm not um, fulfilled about. And in turn, in order for me to compensate to compensate, like you're saying, to compensate for that. So I need to lord myself over other people in some way and put myself on top of them in, in a certain way in order for me to compensate that gap. Because I, I think I'm compensating that gap, but I'm really not. But that's what a person, that's what the Yitzhahara gets us to do, to think that I'm compensating in that gap. And where is this all coming from? It's all coming from low self-esteem. And this is the most, this is one of the most critical ingredients when it comes to relationships. One. So one second, if a person, let's say that the source of it is because his uh, his, uh, self-esteem is very low. So the way to cure that thing would be um, to actually give him a a lot of uh, uh, like positive affirmations uh, for his ego, basically, to build his ego. Yeah. So then he feels like more secure and this is how you avoid him. 
Correct. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. correct. Yeah. If a person feels, if a person's, um, you know, own self-esteem and their own self-worth is in check, and it's 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 real, okay, and it's it's like it's healthy, and they have a healthy understanding of who they are, and they have a healthy appreciation, a healthy value for who they are, then their relationships are more likely to be healthier, okay. The decisions are going to be. They're coming. On yeah. Healthy. Really? So once yeah. you see, like, let's say a person like that, and yeah. you're actually, like, uh, you know, uh, telling him how bad he's, like, <clears throat> like, it's not good, what is up, blah, blah, you're actually causing it to get even worse. Yeah. Because yeah. the person, oh, now, now, like, the person puts me even more, like, uh, for what I did, sure. than, than, than it's actually, yeah, yeah that's 100%, yeah, 100%, and then just, it creates this vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. You know, I, one second so here. that's the way to break it. Yeah. Let me just book called um, Like Yourself and Others Will Too. Mm-hmm. Like Yourself and Others Will Too. Um, that hits on this point exactly. And he goes through stories of people who, whose relationships were really affected in a negative way because of this low self-esteem. Okay, because of the low self-esteem. So, okay, so in the interest of time, it's, uh, you know, it's getting late. But, um, but we'll sp- spell out the last two points real quickly. Okay, the last point, so that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, healthy self-esteem. The last point is a person has to know who they are in a relationship. Okay, you have to know who you are in the relationship. If, um, you know, if, uh, if, if a person is the, um, you know, if a person is the Gadol Hador, okay, and the Gadol Hador sends you a letter, okay, there's a story that Rav Pam sent somebody a letter while he was in the hospital, and the person, like, felt like a million bucks with his letter. He ended up passing away, the individual, but, like, the family felt so good because before he died, they got this letter from Rav Pam. It was a beautiful thing. And Rav Pam said, look, all I did was I wrote a simple letter, you know, but... If I wrote the letter, it wouldn't get that much game time. Okay, let's be honest, right? But it was from Rav Pam because he's the Gadol Hadar, okay? Similarly, when it comes to any relationship, okay, the, the, what is said by one person to another or the way one person acts towards another is, um, is interpreted and is understood based on who that individual is in the relationship, okay? So if a random stranger says something not nice to a child it could be hurtful. Of course, it could be hurtful. But if a parent says something not nice to a child in the same type of way, let's say the same level of not nice or whatever it is, right? It's so much more painful. It's so much more painful, okay? Um, because of who they are in that relationship, okay? If you have two students in school and one has nothing to do with the other and then insults the student, okay, they'll feel bad, they feel insulted. They may even cry, but they're not going to feel that pain as deeply as if their best friend really hurt them like that, really hurt them. Because depending on who you are in the relationship, that's how much the, the you know, that's how much is, is felt. Okay. And the same thing when it goes to Simcha, the same thing when it goes to Simcha, it's not just about pain. We always talk about pain, but it's the other way too. Okay. When, when a friend or a close family member is celebrating something. So if they get a Mazel Tov from you know, the person that's in shul that they really never speak to or whatever, but okay, beautiful, thank you, Mazel Tov. Okay, but that Mazel Tov isn't nearly as meaningful as the best friend's Mazel Tov, the, the close family member's Mazel Tov. It's understandable. So if I'm that close family member and my family member is, go, is having a, a simcha and I don't wish that Mazel Tov, that's like, that's pretty pain. You know, that, <laughs> that's, that's not good. That's, yeah, you know, so... So in, a key aspect in understanding relationships, in, in helping us in the relationships, is understanding who we are 
in that relationship and helping our children understand who they are in their relationships. You know who you are and what, what your words, your words had an effect on this person, not just because of the words, the words are important, but because of who you are in that relationship. Okay, so let's sum up real quick what we spoke about. We spoke about invisible gorilla, right? We spoke about um, noticing that there's people, noticing that there's somebody in front of you, just noticing and not being like on our phone and totally like spaced out, noticing. The second point was being able to look deeper like Rivka, like, like Ravar and Cutler at the toll booth, being able to look deeper um, once we notice the person, see what they really need. The third point was being sensitive, and trying to recognize, like, okay, I see what they need, but am I really, really sensitive to, uh, to what's going on in their life? The fourth point was what? The fourth point was Yehoshua, right? That to be a leader, to be a leader in our relationships, we have to be like Yehoshua. We have to know um, that, that every single person is different and needs to be dealt with in a different kind of way. Point number five was the self-esteem. We have to recognize sometimes, and it's, it's a hard question to ask ourselves, but we, sometimes we need to ask ourselves, it could be that if I'm, if I'm having trouble in a relationship, is my self-esteem really as healthy as it should be? And we need to see that in our kids too. If their relationships aren't going so well, maybe, maybe the issue is in their self-esteem and then we need to figure out ways to speak to the people that can help us and guide us and speak to them and guide them if, if need be, whatever it is, to get, that, to get that help. Therapists are a good thing. They're wonderful. Good thing. Big blessing from Hashem. You know, if it's necessary... 100%. But that could be an ingredient, you know, in what's going on. And the last thing that we said is to recognize, point number six, is to recognize who an individual is in the relationship. And the last, last, last point, number seven, I want to say is like this, that how do we go about improving in our relationships? How do we go about growing in our relationships? Rabbi Yona gives one eitzah, which is so beautiful. He says, if you want to improve in all of your relationships, there's one secret ingredient. He says... You need to pick one person, pick one person. And he says, even pick a person that's close to you. You should pick a person that you're already close with. Not a person that I'm arch enemies with and it's going to be hard to develop. No, no, a person I'm already close with, friendly with, a person I already love. One person and try to truly feel the v'yahavta l'reacha kamocha and try to truly feel towards that one person. And try to feel what we spoke about tonight with that one individual. Everybody else, okay, it'll come. And he says, once you do that, then what happens is we build up, like Mrs. Avidu was saying before, Mrs. Avidu was saying before, it, 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 we build up our midos and our sensitivities and our relationships, and then it spills over, it spills over to everybody else. And then all of our relationships end up improving. So he says, you should focus in on one person, pick a person that you're already close with and already friendly with, and practice all of this, all this stuff, practice it with that individual, zero in on them, zero in on their needs, think about what they really need, try to be sensitive, recognize who I am in the relationship. All of this, the v'ahavta l'recha kamocha, try to really love them like you love yourself, like you do for yourself. And then that is going to, um, that's going to spill over. So Be'ezrus Hashem, this was a, is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. But... Uh, thank you, but it's very practical. Thank you, but it's it's yeah. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any any other any last questions? Any other points? I just want, if you don't mind. Of course, no, 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 no I don't mind at all. Question. I just wanted to because um, we, we don't have the subtitle of all the points. I just want to write it down. If sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 Okay. Is so you want me to review real quick? Yeah, we'll review. A hundred percent. Very nice uh, uh, exercise.
exercise, you know. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so point number one we said was. Invisible. <laughs> it was 